Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Katie. And you're listening to I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. If you are a fan of the show, please like and follow us on iTunes and Spotify and review us. It'll help spread the word. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared or email us at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. It is still daytime. Yeah, I think this is just the norm now. Maybe that's our summer thing, recording during the day. Yeah, because we're like free, free as birds. Yeah, and and by the time evening comes around, I'm so drunk. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't make for good content. You're like, let me tell you about, you just sound like uh, Karen and... from uh, my favorite murder when she pretended to be drunk. She's like, I have to tell you. Shh, listen, listen. Let me tell you a secret. Let me, t- let me tell you a secret. Let me tell you. This movie blows. <laughs> don't, wa- don't watch this movie. It's terrible. Let's just throw this in the garbage. I watched 11 sequels and they were all bad. I watched them all in a row all night. Well, we're talking about 2008, The Strangers. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Stranger Things. Like, I, when I was Googling for different facts about this movie, I yeah. kept trying to bring up, like, you want to know about the Stranger Things. I'm like, I do usually, but not today. <laughs> but not today, Google. Yeah, you silly goose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this one's like, mm. it's kind of the epitome of our, our summer theme of secluded settings. Secluded. But before that happens. I need to know. What's going on with you, Katie? Hmm. Well, since I get to go first today, then I can be the one to say that we went to see The Boogeyman a couple days ago. Yes. Um, And it was delightful. I liked it. I liked it, too. And I love um, that actress so much from Yellow Jackets. Yes. That's what she was from, Mm -hmm. Yellow Jackets. Because then the little sister was young Leia from the um, Kenobi, the Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but no, it was, it was kind of quintessential Stephen King. It was, um, I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily like crazy original or, or anything like that. It had vibes of lights out or don't be scared of the dark, like that kind of thing. Um, but it was really well done and it did offer, uh, several good jump scares, one of which I screamed at, which I haven't had the opportunity to actually scream out loud at a movie in the theater for a long time. I know. It was yeah. very gratifying. It was funny, because you you were like, ah! And I was like, sitting there like... <laughs> Snickering. <laughs> it's, it's the... It's the, uh, the cover art. The cover art for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I coughed. Except I uh, did not have popcorn to throw in the air. But the nice thing about those like lounge, like reclining, lounging seats in the theaters now is that like you can. It used to be really difficult when I wanted to pull my like knees up under my chin and keep my feet up off the floor because I was so scared. Yeah. Um, but now with like the reclining seats, it's very very easy to get in a defensive posture. Yeah, you just kick your little legs up. And you're like, yeah. hey, get away from me, Damon. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> um, and so, like, it was um, when it first came out and they were saying, like, oh, it's a Stephen King story. I'm like, really? Like, I don't, it doesn't ring a bell. Um, and then it actually is what uh, was one of his short stories. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to go and read it before I go see the movie, because obviously I've read it at some point, but I didn't remember it. Um, so then after we saw the movie, I went and um, busted out my copy of Night Shift, which is actually the same collection of short stories that featured Children of the Corn. Oh. Um, 
And remember when I was talking about the Children of the Corn short story, and I was like, it's so short. It's like 26 pages or 27 pages. Well, the boogeyman was 12. It was it's very 12 short. Pages. Yeah. <laughs> but so good. So good. I, I, I feel like I read it, but it was a thousand years ago. Yeah. I did. And I lost my copy of short stories. I need to probably get it again. Um, um, over the years, like I had it in high school and you know how you have books in high school and then you wish you, you're like, who needs this? I'm, I'm an, a mature adult now and like books. get rid of books are for losers. They are. And you're, Absolutely. Well, you're like, I can always check it out later or, That's a you funny know, thing to hear to from a woman who has what, three degrees hanging on her wall next to us. They're all lies. <laughs> like, I didn't read a goddamn book. <laughs> I didn't read any book. Um, but yeah, so like the short story, it's basically the entirety, and I can say this without spoiling, the boogeyman is like the, you know, one of the first scenes in the movie, like the main character is a therapist and mm-hmm. he's having a conversation with this guy. Um, and so that is the entirety of that of the short story is just that scene of the therapist talking to that guy but then there's something at the end of the short story that is not what happens in the movie because obviously in the movie they needed to expand the story yeah Um, but it was so good it was so good so yeah i thought it was very enjoyable and um pretty brutal at the beginning with uh you know the the story of the guy who Lester and yeah. his, his family and how yeah. he lost his family and um, it's pretty much not spoiled. It's I mean it's like that's what happens within the first five minutes. Yeah. So that's it's just crazy and but we recommend um, it. Yeah, definitely. It's, Go see it. I hope it's if you can't see it in streaming at least um, or not see it in the theater. Excuse me, you can see it. Hopefully it'll pop up on streaming yeah, sometime soon. Yeah, so. like you were just saying that Evil Dead Rise is already streaming right now. I enjoyed it again over my salad yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I Which like, I think that that's a good rhythm <laughs> because obviously it was a problem for a while when they were like, oh my God, are all the theaters going to go out of business because everything's going straight to streaming now? And I know that there was like a lot of discussion and disagreement about you know, balancing movie releases. And um, Mm -hmm. I think I kind of like it like this where, you know, it, it, they come into theaters and it's just theaters for a while. And so people that enjoy going to the theater experience, like have an opportunity to do that. Um, But then it's like not that much far behind is available on streaming. So for like movies, you have like a secondary level of interest in or people that can't go to like people with small children that like can't go to the theater easily. Um, They don't have to like wait forever for it to come out at your local blockbuster. Mm -hmm. I mean, I um, I just read an article this morning. It was like like read an article. I just saw the quick like headline. (laughs) I read a headline. I read a headline and it said 28 days later came out 20 years ago today. Oh, wow. And I remember seeing that in the theater, and someone brought their newborn baby to go see that. <laughs> and the baby woke up, was crying, and I was like, babe, little baby, I can see why you're like, not today, especially when the like, the priest came in and started like, growling and all feral in that movie. And um, yeah, that movie's so good, but uh, yeah, bring, don't bring your kids, no. tiny little kids, to go see. I remember going to wait, see like wait. a 10 p.m. showing of um, which Predator sequel was it? I think it was Predators, the one with um, Adrian Brody and like Danny Trejo and Lawrence Fishburne and everything. It was like a late night showing and there were like like seven year old boys behind me. And you're like, why? And they were like having the best time and like talking and being really obnoxious. But then it's like 
Predator movies have some pretty graphic violence in it. Like, even if you don't care about the swearing or anything like that, it's like Predator likes to grab people's skulls and rip their spinal columns out of their bodies. That's what makes it fun. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, so since we... uh, it's only been like five days since we recorded. That's all that's new with me. And since I've already taken that, what's new with you? Oh, um, I feel like I'm going to sneeze. That's what's new. That's super no. new. <laughs> that's actually future. I <laughs> know uh, I've just been, like I said, setting up my classroom and going through all like the stuff. And I'm trying to be like, I know this is not very interesting, but I'm just trying to be hyper organized because I'm not an organized person. Not really. I'm like mm-hmm. in the middle where I'm. Hopefully, I'm like, give me 30 minutes and maybe I can find it. (laughs) (laughs) If it's like in my cabinet somewhere. Yeah. And I'll be like, it's probably in this general vicinity. But I don't have a place for everything in my classroom, at least uh, in the cabinets. I didn't over the years. Well, yeah, you keep moving. Yeah. It's hard. Yes. So I'm trying to like, since I'm starting again from scratch and I have like so much time Mm -hmm. to kind of plan. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm... You know, being hyper-organized and obnoxious before uh, the school year gets started. That's a lovely goal. Well, it's really hard when you get, like, donations and things, and you're like, well, I can use pretty much anything because I don't have money. Yeah. So, sure, I'll take it, and then you lose it. (laughs) (laughs) I put it in my cabinet somewhere to get, like, get it out of the way, and then I'm like, where are You're like, I know somebody gave me 200 popsicle sticks. Oh, but where the heck crap are they? (laughs) Okay. So that's what I'm doing. And then um, shout out to my friend, friends. I know Rich listens. Um, we are just uh, sending our love and, you know, like, yep, you know, we're thinking about you. Well, and um, I'm broadcasting over the airways. All the good vibes. All, all the five people who listen. Actually, no, it's more like 20,000, but whatever. Yeah. All 20,000 of you think send good vibes to Pacifica, to our friends that we love. And, um, Hope she feels better, and um, that's about it. Mm. So, do we want to dive into our oh, the strangers? I yeah, I think I'm ready. I think okay. I'm ready. Okay. So, um, I took on the recap for this one because uh, I think that we will hear later on that Meredith has a little bit of mixed feelings about it. I mean, we both think it's a good movie, but there, you know, um, <laughs> there, there's thoughts to, yes. to be shared. Um, so, and she pointed out, I didn't realize that it is another really short, um, movie. Like we're, we'd been talking with Creep about how, you know, Creep was a, was really, really short. And evidently this one was too. I didn't really notice cause I was taking my notes, which means pausing it a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though the movie is short, my recap is no shorter than usual. <laughs> You're welcome. I only want a good... 30-minute chunk of synopsis from you. Okay, well, I better get started. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, as Meredith mentioned, it came out in 2008, which we've kind of settled on being like our, our, at least my kind of jam for for horror movies. A lot of good ones started coming out in the early 2000s. Yeah, the the style, um, the investment, the production quality, the casting, like, it all kind of leveled up a little bit in that decade. Well, is it because, like, um... 
up until then, a lot of movies, like in the horror genre, were sort of considered kind of bean movies for yeah. a long time. Yeah, they weren't in the respected. 80s and 90s. Yeah. And then in the early 2000s, they're like, you know what? Let's let's give a crap. Let's elevate. <laughs> let's them. try to give that a crap. Yeah. Um, and so accordingly, um, the big name in The Strangers was Liv Tyler, mm-hmm. which I was thinking about. So I'm I like Liv Tyler as much as the next guy. I don't know what it is that has given her such a sustained career. Because she's not really talented. I mean, she's not an actress, you know? Um, and then I'm like, well, she's likable. But I'm like, is she? Sometimes she's a little annoying. She's in Lord of the Rings. I know. And she's kind of the most annoying part of Lord of the Rings, in my opinion. <laughs> she, but I don't she, just she, like she's her. She's just a big old crybaby. <laughs> yeah, um, she just doesn't, you know, she's like all big, watery blue eyes and pointy ears. Um, yeah. But What's and that's like, like about that. I don't have anything. Is I loved Empire Records. Um, I'm sure she's a lovely person, but I'm like I was just thinking about her, and especially in the context of this movie. And it's like she does a great job with this movie, but she, I don't really think that she has a lot of acting skill. I think I don't really know. I have no opinion. No opinion. I have no opinion awesome. on Liv Tyler. <laughs> that's what we're gonna call it—the No Opinion Podcast. I am like no. I'm like eh. We were lay facts only. <laughs> no opinion. No opinion. <laughs> no, where it's like I say that no opinion. Where I'm like eh, take it or leave it. Yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, that's how I kind <laughs> of feel too. Like I don't, I don't dislike her, but then thinking about her particularly with this, like she was a big star, and I'm like, why is she? Never really thought about why she would be such a big star. Um, so, but the you know the two main characters. Um, but like, what else has she? I mean, I'm trying to think. Off the top of my head, there's not much I can yeah, think of. Yeah, all that's, that's coming like to mind. Huge. I mean, Empire Records launched her career. Well, the, you know, Aerosmith video launched her career. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Lord of the Rings might have been a little bit of a comeback for her. Um, yeah, but I, she made of- some stuff in, like, the 90s. And then I think she went away for a little bit. And then, Lord, but, you know, she that's the thing is, like, she's still, she's still doing stuff, like, here and there. She's still, people still pull her out of the bucket and put her in things <laughs> like yeah i guess you can just live that life when your dad is like a legend yeah so yeah anyway <laughs> and, then there, and, and there's scott speedman who is in yes uh is it speedman speedman yeah yeah he um, was from un- felicity and underworld, underworld and he's a very recognizable face yeah he's a cutie mm-hmm. so um what uh, the film opens with um, type on the screen and the voiceover that's very Mr. Movie Phone that says, what you're about to see is inspired by true events. According to the FBI, there are an estimated 1.4 million violent crimes in America each year. On the night of February 11th, 2005, Kristen McKay and James Hoyt left a friend's wedding reception and returned to the Hoyt family's summer home. The brutal mm-hmm. events that took place there are still not entirely known. So um, That definitely had like... Texas Chainsaw <clears throat> Massacre vibes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For real, beginning. that opening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman are these um, this couple, Kristen and James. Um, and so then there's like kind of this montage series um, of opening scenes. And it, when I was first doing my notes, I was like writing this down in great detail. And then I was like, we don't have that kind of time because uh, we need to talk at length about Liv Tyler's lack of impressiveness. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So just to, to just describe what it was, is the opening sequence. Um, it's the audio of a 911 call from a boy named Jordan who's terrified and asking for help. The images we see under that audio are a car with a busted windshield, two boys entering a house through a front door that's standing open, a record player spinning, a closed ring box on the floor surrounded by rose petals, a bloody knife, and a shotgun laying on a kitchen counter. Um, the last thing that Jordan says on the call is there's blood everywhere. And then we get the title card, The Strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so now we are in a car. A couple is stopped at a red light. It's night. He's gripping the steering wheel. She has tears on her face. They're dressed very formally. Um, there's a long drive. They don't speak. They arrive at a dark and empty house. He puts on a record while she looks around at the rose petals everywhere and champagne flutes and asks, when did you do all this? Uh, it's a very heartbreaking um, kind of scenario that we've, you know, like just jumped in on. Clearly, he planned a surprise that didn't go well. Um but he still is like being very kind and sweet, even though he's obviously clearly very sad as well. He unzips her dress and unclasps her necklace for her. So he's like being caring um, while she draws a bath. He leaves a voicemail for a friend named Mike asking to be picked up in the morning from the mm-hmm. house. Um, so then we flash back to earlier. The same couple is happy at a wedding. He proposes. She says no. So now we understand why the vibe was what yeah. it was at the house. She's just like, I'm not ready. She's like, oh, uh, about that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so I watched this with Victor last night, and he had never seen it. And okay. I was like, oh, so what, hap- what would have happened if I had said no? He'd be like, break up. I'm leaving you in Southern California. You're by yourself. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. Really? You pick with me? He's like, yeah. You don't want to be with me? What's the point? I'm like, oh. Yeah, well, I guess that's this like, sort of makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, why are you going to stay in this thing yeah. if you're like, I don't want to marry you? <laughs> well, and I think that that's why, like, there's so much tension and sadness in this scenario between these two people because there's that question of like, okay, well, you don't want to get married, so does that mean we're breaking up? Yeah, or, like, where do you go from here? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, back to you know their them at the house um, after her bath with the miserable evening continues. They try to make themselves feel better by boning on the dining table, um, but they are interrupted by loud knocking on the front door. Yeah, they are surprised. Uh, they note that it is one twenty in the morning. Um, And the loud knocking continues. The door, of course, has no peephole. um, And so James opens it to see a young woman whose face is obscured because the porch light is out. She asks, is Tamara here? And James tells her she has the wrong house. She says, see you later and leaves. James finds that the porch light bulb had just been unscrewed and he screws it back in. The light comes back on and they go back inside. Um, So James starts a fire uh, before a trip out to get Kristen more cigarettes. Um, And while he's gone, a single aggressive knock comes from the front door, uh, then another, and then normal knocking picks up again. I think we should also describe the front door. It's not like you can look in a window. There's nothing. It's like a thick, huge double door. Yeah, like double oak you cannot even see at yeah, all. Yeah, no, like, little windows up at the top, no peephole, no windows on either side, just, yeah. like, this big barrier of a door yeah. setting. Yeah, so she has, like, no idea what's... It's, like, there's, like, a boom, pound, boom, pounding, and she, like, you can't 
look and see who it is at all. Right. And I think that that's probably like what makes um, it helps with the audio, too, of the knocking, because it's such a huge like resonant piece of wood this door so that when they're pounding on it like it is loud it's like a really terrifying sound yeah it sort of reminded me of like the haunting yeah a little bit like pounding really on this thumping. like very oak oaky wooden oak with their leather bound <laughs> books, leather bound books. <laughs> <Yeah>. rich mahogany <laughs> yes. um, so Kristen says hello through the closed door and here's the girl ask is Tamara home Kristen tells her, you already came by here, dumb yeah. bitch. Um, and like she, she straight tripping. <laughs> right? But it's like, she, you know, she's smart. Like she doesn't open the door. She mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, whatever. Even when she realizes that it's the same girl that they've already seen, she doesn't then open the door. She's just like, you already came here. And she locks the deadbolt, which I mean, should have already been locked. But in that moment, she made the right choice and, and made sure that it was locked. Yeah. There's um, also like the false sense of safety because it was a woman who came to the door in the first place. Right. Like, okay. That's why I could have seen it, like, her being like, oh, it's this girl again. I'll open the door because I know who it was. Yeah. Um, But she's like, nope, not today, Satan. Yeah. Um, So then uh, Kristen, like, looks out through the curtains and she's, like, looking around at the trees and the the barn a little bit of ways away. Everything is, like, very secluded and dark and misty and creepy, like, all, you know, this, this setting that we're... We're exploring this Mm -hmm. um, moment of her looking out the window really kind of brings home like how isolated they are at this house. Um, But now Kristen notices uh, the smoke from the fire is backing up into the room. I mean, Mm -hmm. why would that happen all of a sudden? Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody blocked the chimney. I don't know. Yeah. But um, the smoke detector goes off. Um, She has to get a chair and uh, manages to like jump up. And just as she like knocks it down onto the floor, there's another knock at the door and then this huge smash. Um, So like like a slam into the door, not just a a regular knock. Um, So she goes to call from her cell phone. But of course, it's dead. So she plugs it into charge. Um, The knocking resumes. So Kristen calls James from the landline and tells him that the girl came back and keeps knocking on the door. While Kristen's on the call, the landline goes dead. Suspicious. Mm hmm. Um, so Kristen lights her last cigarette. We watch her smoke and we're seeing this wide shot of the cabin's great room that she's standing in smoking and behind her in a dark hall, a figure steps into frame and he's out of focus, but we can see that the head is fully encased in some kind of white mask. Yeah, like and a burlap uh, bag. Burlap yeah, yeah. So, um... It reminds, it's very, like, scarecrow-y. Yeah. Because he's, yeah. like, wearing, like, a dark suit as well and then, like, the crazy... Yeah, Sack. I so I, I gave the Bad assailants man. their their names um, for the purposes of the recap. I, I called him Flower Sack. Um, flower sack man. <laughs> but at this point, you can't really see that because he's at a distance behind her and kind of out of focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I mean, it's creepy as all fucking hell because he is in the house with her. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and just like watching her. Yeah, he just kind of walks over and and she's got her back to him and so and doesn't, you know, doesn't hear him, doesn't notice him. Um, she goes and gets a glass of water. Um, the angle changes and then she turns and we see the same spot, but the figure's gone. Um, but then Kristen hears a door close somewhere else in the house and she's like, what the uh, fuck? Yeah. So she calls James's name because obviously in that scenario, she's hoping that he came home somehow mm-hmm. and he's the one making noise inside the house. Um, and then she wisely gets a knife from the kitchen drawer. 
Uh, she tries to call 911 from the landline, but the phone is still dead. And there's another knock from the front door. And as she walks toward it, she notices that the smoke detector that she left lying on the floor is now sitting on a chair. And she goes, oh, my gosh. <laughs> she goes all Midwestern. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's not where I left that. <laughs> oh, farts. <laughs> <laughs> So now there's like a scraping sound coming from the front door and more knocking. Um, She goes to her cell phone, you know, presumably like hoping that it's got enough of a charge to make a call, but finds only the frayed end of the charging cable and the phone is gone. Snipped. No bueno. Then there's the sound of metal clattering from outside. She slowly approaches um, curtains and like, you know, it's a real tension building moment. She's like, you know, curtains closed over a window and she's walking slowly up. She's got the knife out in front of her. First, she like puts the knife between the curtains like she's going to use the knife to push the curtains aside. But then she stops and then she very dramatically like thrusts them open super fast herself and right outside the glass is Flower Sack. Mm -hmm. Um, Like staring right in and so she like fucking screams. She's like, ah! It's like, dude, you opened them that, but you like jump scared yourself. Um, She stumbles backwards um, and uh, really annoyingly starts the record player skipping. She Mm -hmm. like bumps into the turntable and the record starts skipping and then we have to listen to that same skip for a while. But Uh it definitely adds to like the tension and unpleasantness of the scene. Yeah, you're like, ah, make it stop. And there's like pounding, pounding all over the house. Yeah, so um, the uh, knocking at the door is followed by the sound of the lock, and the door opens just a bit, like it comes open just a jar, like an inch, and that's it. And so she walks up to it. Mm -hmm. Which I'm like, okay, the only reason approaching it would be a smart thing to do is to close it and lock it, in which case, like, you should run at it very quickly and close it and lock it as quickly as possible. But she, like, kind of sneaks up on it, um, looks out the the gap, and as she's looking out, um, we get kind of another jump scare moment where this doll face masked person jumps into the frame in the gap in the door, um, but then Kristen slams the door shut. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that that second assailant I call Dollface. Mm -hmm. Um, so Kristen runs to the bedroom there's this cacophony of knocking and smashing and breaking glass all over the house still paired with the skipping record she screams go away Um, and as she's cowering by the bed with the knife the records stop and in the silence, she hears footsteps approaching the room that she's in, and James appears. She's like, oh, such a relief. Thank God. Um, she tells him there's someone in the house. She's, like, totally hysterical. He tries to calm her down. He's like, quit being a woman. Yeah, he's like, did your period start? Oh, my um, God. <laughs> so he takes the knife from her um, and leads her through checking the house, proving that there's no one there. Um, but we do pan across the fire burning down in the fireplace and see that her cell phone is lying in the fire. Mm-hmm. So as well, James, and she's like, someone took my phone. He's like, sure, sure, Jan, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no, someone did. And he's like, already, he's like, not happy with her to begin right, with be- right. before this any of this started. But he's still so. like, he's still so <laughs> kind. Like his character is just so sympathetic because you see that he's had his heart broken, but he's not responding by being angry or cruel to her. Yeah, but he's just super, like, he doesn't believe her, though. No, but, I mean, at that point, why should he? He hasn't, you know, anyway. She's she's a woman. <laughs> Women, you know, see things and whatnot. <laughs> uh, so, um, 
As they're finishing checking the house, um, Kristen looks out the window and sees outside that someone is standing a distance away from the house, staring their way. And the person is far enough away, and the the way that the lighting is, you can't really tell, like, you know, gender or anything like that. Um, But ultimately, it turns out that this is our third assailant, um, who's actually the girl that came to the door. Um, two times and mm-hmm. then also her, she her mask is also kind of doll face ish but it doesn't have the hair on it mm-hmm. um, and so her I call Tamara 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 flower sack she's and doll like, face she's or, like I'm asking for Tamara but my name's Tamara my oh. name's Tamara <laughs> oh, I go by Tammy <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, Kristen looks outside she sees um, Tamara standing just like standing staring at the house um, James realizes that he left his cell phone in the car and wants to go get it. Kristen's like, no, no, don't. Um, and she, you know, reminds him that one of the people came in and took her phone. Um, but he's still denying that anyone came inside the house. Um, and then they, of course, look back and the person outside is gone. Now, this is something that um, I re- like calling back to our paranormal activity um, episode when you said that you didn't realize until you were writing a recap how often Katie cries and Mika comforts her and Katie cries and Mika comforts her. <laughs> yes. This is one of those where Katie I didn't realize like, how many times in this movie they see an assailant standing somewhere and then that assailant is gone. Without having done anything. Yeah. Without having attacked or or moved really. Like they just, they see, they show them somewhere in the frame, in the scene. Sometimes seen by Kristen and James, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. And then they're just silently gone. Mm-hmm. They do that a lot. Um, and so that's what happens here is they look outside, they see Tamara standing there. You know, the scene progresses, they look back outside, Tamara's gone. <clears throat> So um, James goes outside to get his cell phone, but discovers all the windows in his car are smashed and his phone is missing. Um, When he's in the car, kind of rummaging around looking for his phone, we see a hand come from behind and like just gently touch the back of his neck. And he's like, but like whips around and there's nobody there and he can't see anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, He hears yelling and laughter from the woods. um, And then he looks down the road and sees Tamara again standing in the road. Um, while he can kind of see and hear someone running through the woods around him. Um, Kristen's on the front porch being like, oh my God, James, what's going on? Um, and so he tells uh, tells her to go inside. Um, then he looks back and Tamara is gone. So again, mm-hmm. like she's standing there in the road, not doing anything. And then he looks away. And then when he looks back, she's gone. Um, he looks around um, for Tamara. Thankfully, he is holding the knife. He, he brought the knife outside with him. You know, they're making some smart choices here. Um, he finds no one, and so he returns to the house. And when he walks into the house, he finds his phone lying on a table. So now he believes, Kristen, that someone has been inside. And they're mm-hmm. like, maybe we should go. And the battery's been removed. Yes. So he's yeah, like, so can't oh, use it. what the fuck? That's okay. no bueno. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they decide to leave. So as they begin to reverse the car out of the driveway, a truck barrels in behind them and blocks the path. Um, we see the driver of the truck is Dollface. Um, and then they turn and face forward and see that Flower Sack is standing in front of their car. And then Dollface, uh, rams into them with the truck from behind. So they jump out of the car. They race back inside. Um, James is searching for his dad's hidden gun. He finds a shotgun. Um, and they head to the bedroom um, and see that the word hello has been written a dozen times on the inside of the windows and like looks like lipstick or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and then like right as they notice that, like then these really big heavy clots that look kind of looks like mud start mm-hmm. slamming into the outside of those windows. So it's like it's really jarring and startling, but it's like it doesn't break the windows. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was just kind of a weird, weird behavior. A lot of this is some weird behavior. Well, I think it's all meant like that. Hear my stomach? That's great. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's all meant to. It's like playing, like Pennywise games. plays with his food basically yeah. to elicit as much fear as possible. And it's like definitely, it's not a cat and mouse. Like they are not like, oh, we're gonna run around and hide from you, and I'm gonna get the better of you. Formulate a plan, and, and it's like. They have, like, so many chances to just, like, kill them or do whatever, and Mm -hmm. they choose not to. So, like, they're doing this on purpose. Like, just trying – their whole motivation is to, like, get fear response from both of them by, like, let me – you can see me. Now you can't. Oh, where am I? Like, just doing this to them to terrorize them. That's the whole point. See, and I feel like that that's the definition of cat and mouse, right? Because, like, they they can't – like you said, they could have – killed them a hundred times oh is it um maybe i'm wrong yeah but just like that you know playing with your food um idea or um what it kind of what it gets to like at the end like one of the um statements that they make at the very end um makes it seem to me a little bit like um like a young like some sort of predator species like a wolf or a a, you know a lion cub or something that hasn't really learned how to kill yet Mm -hmm. and is like but has prey and is just kind of like batting it around and like kind of biting at it but doesn't really know what to do with it um which you know like I said there's something at the end that made it seem like that a little bit to me Mm -hmm. um but yeah there's definitely like if, if you actually look at until very late in the movie, they haven't act, done anything violent to the to these people. You know, they've like, yeah, they've destroyed some property. They, you know, fucked up their car and fucked up their phones. And, um, you know, they but they keep like knocking on the door and like they put a smoke detector off the floor onto a chair. It's actually extremely helpful. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, Here you go. Did you, I helped you. I don't want you to trip on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, aside from, uh, obviously, like I said, some destruction of property and, like, you know, smashing up their car and things, like, they're they're not attacking the people. They're just fucking with them. And yeah. so that's, like, the thing. Like, they could have thrown rocks through those windows. That's true. But is is it considered attacking, like, home invasion? I like, mean, it, Home invasion perhaps, sort of is, yeah. Perhaps. Like, trying to come into your house and, like... Yeah, you but, know. like, what's the goal? You know, home invasion, you know. But, is, like, you don't know, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Also. Like, you, you don't know what their purpose is because they're not doing anything. They're not accomplishing a purpose. If their purpose was to kill these people, they would have done that. If their purpose was to rob these people, then they would have done that. So you don't know so why. And that's, like, you know, the right? you know, yeah. significant line that Liv Tyler delivers later, too. Like, the why they're doing this is part of what makes it so scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, oh yeah, <clears throat> they cry. Make a comforter. No, okay. yeah, Katie cries. Um, so James finds the shotgun shells in the closet of the bedroom, but admits that he's not even sure how to load the gun, let alone shoot it. And I love this part because she was like, "I thought you said you used to hunt with your dad." And he goes, uh, "It wasn't true." <laughs> he's like, "That's just something I said." Yeah, <laughs> it's like that was total bullshit. Well, I'm like, I think, am I like wrong? <laughs> I'm re- I, on this rewatch, and I never felt like this before. Like the more, 
he said stuff, the more I'm like, yeah, I can see why she didn't want to marry you. Like, I just felt... <laughs> no! <laughs> oh, he really lost you and he didn't believe her, he huh? Did. <laughs> yeah. I just get so... That really tilts me. Like, it's really me annoyed where I'm like, oh, you silly woman. Of course it's not there. And she's like, no, no, but really? And they're like, eh, is it though? And you're like, oh my gosh. And then... And then she's like... And he's like, yeah, I lied all the time. You know, like, oh, I never did that. And she's like, what the fuck? Like... He was just trying to seem macho because he thought that's what she wanted. He's like, my dad cared about me. <laughs> no, we didn't. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Um, so they're set to make a break out the front door until an axe starts smashing through it from the outside. So instead they push a piano in front of the door. Yeah. Classic Bugs Bunny approach. Mm-hmm. Um, they get the shotgun loaded and James uh, fires at Flower Sack through the hole in the door. But we don't really see like if he's hit or what all happens. We just know that he gets he gets a round off. Um, so next, uh, James and Kristen hole up in a bedroom um, with the gun locked and loaded and pointed at the doorway. Um, they hear footsteps and the record player starts up again and it's Mama Tried. I'm like, I fucking <laughs> love that <laughs> Get some Merle in your life. <clears throat> Mama Tried. First thing I remember knowing. Um, such a great song. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, but that interesting choice. All right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, that's a really good, and it could be, like, so ooh, yeah. creepy. But, yeah, because it's, it's it unnerving. Really like, it, yes. it, it puts your nerves on end. And mm-hmm. that's what, you know, they're trying to do is is frighten them and make them uncomfortable and put them off balance. Mm-hmm. Um, now, outside, who should drive up but trusty friend Mike that James called earlier, who's played by Glenn Howerton. Yeah. <laughs> which I did not remember. And maybe, yes. I, maybe like, I haven't Dennis seen. I know. Oh I, I figure maybe I haven't watched this movie since before I started watching It's Always Sunny in oh. Philadelphia <laughs> because like that would explain why I wouldn't have recognized him the last time I saw The Strangers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's Mike and he has showed up, um, you know, to rescue his friend in response to the phone call that he got. Yeah, and he was there earlier setting up this whole thing with, you know, for Oh, for with James, yeah, all yeah, the romantic yeah. Um, stuff that they'd set up. Yeah, sad. So he's sitting in the car calling James's cell, and something smashes his windshield, so naturally he jumps out, and then he sees the ruin of James's car. Uh, he heads inside and surveys just the absolute chaos um, of everything in the house. And you see the girl, Tamara, she's there watching them out, outside. She can, You can see her. Oh, I think I missed that. Shadows. Um, and <clears throat> so she was... Maybe the one who threw. I, I, I think oh, that the stuff threw. that like um, it hits people that are hit their windshields. Maybe like brick or something. Like I don't yeah. really know what it was, but I couldn't it, tell. It's very sudden and like suddenly smashed, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, oh, okay. not normal. Not at all. Um, inside though, we see Flower Sack is um, approaching behind Mike with his axe. Um, but before he can do anything, Mike makes the mistake of walking into the doorway at which James has the shotgun aimed, and James shoots him in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, which is and like you've never fired really this gun before, too. and and somehow you get a like killer dead headshot. He played a lot of Call of Duty, probably. Probably. You're absolutely right. That's that's something a real dick like him would do with his free time. A real piece of <laughs> shit is, guy. This is fucking jabroni. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Call of Duty. No, I don't know. Um, sorry if I'm alienating all of you saying that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, it was really sad. It's crazy because like, Mike was like, the music is super loud. He's, mm-hmm. he's surveying the chaos. And suddenly... And does, he turn, does he stop the record? 
Mike stops no, the record. It, I just I think it just song just kind of ends and then oh um, yeah and then it goes um, because they can hear uh, someone or, hear and him? see the shadow mm-hmm. walking up so he, and he is prepared. Goes, hello, and then shot it gets shot. Like he starts to say. Oh, hello. does he start to? Because I remember mm-hmm. he called. James's name, I, but I think it was when he was like still outside or something like too far away for James to have heard him and recognized his voice and like actually recognized that this person knew his name. Because yeah. then after he comes into the house, he doesn't say anything else. No, because he just like is like what is all this? So James is understandably distraught at his mistake. He's just murdered what is you know clearly like probably one of his best friends or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so they leave the bedroom um, and on their way out, they find the word "killer" has now been written on the inside of the glass door. Like, oh well, all we did was smash your car, but now you murdered someone. Mm-hmm. Um, pointing some fingers there, and. Um, so James heads out to call for help on the radio that he says is in the barn, like a CB radio or something. Um, Look, he's already like, you know, my best friend is shot. You don't want to marry me. I, you know, what do I have to lose? I'm just going to like run out. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say it's that. It's a suicide but, mission. <laughs> he didn't say that, but I think that that was a straw where he was like, you know what? I'm just going to go yeah, run outside and try to fucking get this solved yeah. because this is and enough, he does, enough bullshit. He goes a little bit Call of Duty out there because he's like running through the woods with, with the shotgun and um, like he sees... Um, he sees Dollface uh, like around the barn, so he like hits the deck and he's like aimed at her, and he's like almost ready to fire. And um, but then he's blindsided, blindsided by Flower Sack from behind, um, and we don't see his fate. So in that moment, mm-hmm. we don't know what happens to James after Flower Sack gets him. Um, <clears throat> the next thing we do see is Flower Sack moving quietly through the house. Um, now Kristen is like, you know what? fuck that I'm not just gonna sit here so she makes a run for the barn but in the dark manages to fall into a ditch (laughs) I'm like where did the ditch come from and how did she miss it it was like I mean it is dark outside but there's like I don't know it's it's kind of hard to tell if it's moonlight or I mean you know houses like farmhouses with barns and stuff do have like exterior floodlights usually um, Mm -hmm. that may or may not be like left on all the time like overnight or whatever because it's nighttime and it's dark but it's also very easy to see like there's enough light outside for them to like navigate it's not like they can't tell where they're going it just looks like a giant trench around like a long across like the yard honestly like yeah a big and then and it's like deep it's like two yeah. or three feet deep and then she climbs back up and then she's like ah my ankle my and ankle. I also my ankle. why is she now wearing shoes sorry i'm annoying i'm annoyed that she you didn't put shoes on the now. whole time I'm like, well you're really gonna like the ending like lady listen lady put your shoes on <laughs> listen put your shoes on <laughs> um so yeah, uh, she's uh yeah she eats it and yeah, it looks pretty, big time. pretty uh rough so she's crawling away with her injured leg, um, and we see Dollface walking toward her from behind, but then when she turns, Dollface is gone. So there's another one of those moments mm-hmm. where obviously, like, this is op- opportunity number 7,412 for her to have killed Kristen, or yes. any of them to have killed Kristen, um, and they still have not actually harmed her in any way. Um Kristen gets to the barn, finds the radio, tries to call for help, um, but soon there's noises all around the barn. You can't really tell if it's inside or outside or both, um, but just as a reply comes through on the radio, Dollface appears and smashes the radio with, like, a sledgehammer or some shit. I don't yeah. know. Really, really does a number on that radio, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so now Kristen begins to crawl back to the house, and somehow in this moment, her location seems to be unknown. 
to the assailants. Like, she was just in the barn with Dollface, like, right next to her, smashing the radio and everything. But then she got out of the barn, even mm-hmm. though she can't even really walk. And Dollface is, like, walking around looking for her. I think they knew where she was. They I were think just playing. They were being yeah. coy. I think they were just, like, messing with her because one of them... Tamara was like on the, the swings. swings. They were, they're like, we're not really concerned with where you are. Maybe do, 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 like do. where you are, right? Maybe I, I can see you. Maybe I can't. But like, they don't seem worried. They don't think that she can actually is capable of yeah. like taking of running. That's away. true. I mean, she doesn't have a lot of options to escape, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Um, so I think they're just like kind of biting I mean, their Jesus, time. She doesn't have shoes on. Yeah. So. so. Um, yeah, you're, maybe you're right that it was it was part of their game to pretend that they didn't know where she was. Um, but she definitely thinks that they don't know where she is. She's hiding in the trees. Um, she's watching Flower Sack. Dollface walks out of the barn. Like you said, Tamara's on the swing. And the car is on fire, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Um, so Kristen notices the, the car on fire, and she's like, oh, farts. Like, mm-hmm. that's bad news. So um, now we look at the barn, we look at the swing, and Dollface and Tamara are gone again. Again, Katie mm-hmm. cries. Mika comforts her. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> where are they? Where are they? Where could they They be? were just right there. And now they're gone. Um, so Kristen gets back into the house um, and she really kind of lurches through it, knocking over, I put, knocking over every fucking thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like tchotchkes off a shelf, pictures off the wall. Like she's just knocking down everything in this house. And then she stops to be quiet. Yeah. She's like, oh, <laughs> sneaker feet. And you're like, no, no, no. And then the lights go out. So she checks on the front door. The piano is still there. Um, But then she turns and walks out of the foyer, and she hears a few keys being played Mm -hmm. on said piano. She's like, screech! And then Flower Sack emerges from the foyer, but turns away from her direction. So again, like, maybe he knows where she is, and he's pretending he doesn't, but she definitely thinks that she lucked out. He went the other way. He didn't see her, and she's, like, very quietly backing away, and she hides um, in a pantry that has the classic slatted door mm-hmm. so that she can see out and see the yeah. person she's hiding from um, and and watch what they're doing. Um, so she watches Flower Sack walk around. He sits down at the dining table. Then he gets up and walks out. Um, and then you get another jump scare because suddenly Tamara jumps into frame outside the slats and is like, hey, bitch, it's me. Um, <laughs> She's like, I can see you. <laughs> She's been watching you Look, this whole time. I can clearly time. see where you've been this whole time. <laughs> um, it's, it's like when your kids are playing hide and seek when they're little and they like just face the wall. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and you're like, wow, I'm going to look for you for 20 minutes. <laughs> um, so uh, Kristen kind of like fights her through the slats in the door and Tamara stops attacking her um, and just kind of walks away from the pantry. And she like picks up the engagement ring box um, and looks at it. And then um, Kristen comes out of the pantry and says, I like listened like four times, couldn't really understand exactly what she said, but it ended with kill you. So probably like, I'm going to kill you or something like that. She's like, he's going to kill you. No, no, this is Kristen talking. I know. She was like saying that Scott, uh, not Scott. Oh, that James was going to kill her? Yeah, he's going to kill you. Okay. I was like, what is she? Enunciate. See, Liv Tyler, she does not enunciate. Uh, I heard later that she had, um, like, tonsillitis when they filmed this. That's no excuse. 
<laughs> Enunciate. <laughs> no excuses. Play like a champion. Um, so uh, Tamara picks up the original knife that Kristen had gotten way at the beginning from the table. Um, and Kristen, you know, rummages around the kitchen drawer, finds a new weapon. Um, and the next thing she, Kristen says is she asks, why are you doing this to us? Um, which harkens back to the question we ourselves posited not that long ago is mm-hmm. why the motive is part of what makes it so scary because we don't know why. Um, now a wounded James suddenly falls in through a door followed by flower sack. Uh, Tamara says, you're going to die. And James yells, Kristen run. So she's like, Oh, good call, bro. Um, and she tries to run, but Dollface is at the front door. So, um, Kristen runs into the bedroom to hide instead. Um, she tries to open the windows to escape, but the windows won't open. And she hears James screaming from the living room. And now the power comes back on. Um, she steps out into the hall and Flower Sack ambushes her, knocks her almost completely out and drags her into the living room. Mm-hmm. So now they're they're both alive, but they've both essentially been captured inside yeah. the house and all three assailants are there. <clears throat> so the final scene opens. It's daylight. It's the next day. Um, and then James and Kristen are uh, I've put have been redressed in their formal clothes because she had taken off her. I, it almost looked like a bridesmaid's dress. It didn't I look it like just the, a fancy dress you'd wear as a guest of a wedding because mm-hmm. it had it had a bridesmaid feel. But anyway, so she had that. They had put that dress back on her and James had his like tuxedo jacket back on or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they um, they're both tied to chairs and they are face to face with the three assailants. Uh, Kristen asks again, why are you doing this to us? And Tamara replies, because you were home. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's not the answer we wanted. Um, so Kristen struggles. They're both crying. She tells James she loves him. All three assailants take off their masks, like, one by one. But we, the viewer, never see their faces. The camera right. never actually shows mm-hmm. us their faces. We just see that they took the masks yeah. off. And I should also mention that, like, when she... she um, Asked well, she didn't ask James to get her cigarettes, but he offered and he left. And then she looked, she's kind of putzing around in the Be- house earlier that night. And then she um put on her ga- that engagement ring just to see what it would look like. And she couldn't, couldn't get, get it, it off. off, yeah. So she's been wearing this the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then in that moment, like she reaches for him, you see her engagement ring on her hand, yeah, yeah on her he- hand. And he's like, he kind of notices it, I think, maybe, but then. Yeah. And she's like, I love you. And yeah. like, he doesn't say anything, but he just looks very. I mean, he's, he's, distraught, had, he's had a rough obviously. night. Yeah. 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 He, does, he doesn't have the words in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so now Flower Sack picks up the knife. Kristen's pleading with him, but he stabs James in the stomach. Then Dollface takes the knife and stabs James as well before Tamara takes the knife and stabs Kristen. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, all are just. And it's very. Um, dispassionate it's not aggressive it's not um frenzied or anything it's just a i'm now going to put this knife inside your body Mm -hmm. and then take it back out and then she's going to put the same knife inside your body in a different location and then we're going to put this knife into her body over there and that's and then we're done yeah pretty much um So now um, we're outside and we see the two boys um, that we saw um, in the kind of montage at the beginning of the movie. Uh, They're walking their bikes down the road and they are um, Christian tracting. They're, you know, sending they're walking around passing out Jesus loves you pamphlets. Um, The truck with the departing assailants stops and um, Tamara gets out and asks for asks the boys for one of their pamphlets. One boy asks are you a sinner? And Tamara says, sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so back in the truck. So Tamara gets back in the truck. And I think it's Dollface that says, you hear her say, it'll be easier next time. Yeah. And yeah. that was the line that that first makes you think like, OK, well, they've never done this before. Like this is oh. maybe the first time that they've tried doing something like this, but they certainly intend on doing it again. Well, maybe Tamara has never done it before. Yeah. And maybe the other two have. Oh, that's possible. Like, you know, like she's maybe she's it'll be easier for, for you, next, you time. next time. Maybe, maybe could be could be. Um, so the boys continue down the road to the discovery depicted in the film's opening. The same series of images are shown only this time. It includes the bodies, um, James's body. And then one boy approaches Kristen's body, which is laying next to Mike's body. And she suddenly comes awake, grabbing the boy and screaming for a closing jump scare. Like, mm-hmm. what did that little boy ever do to anybody? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean... Well, he that's found rude. Jesus that day. Um, so that's it. Did you think it was scary? Yes. <laughs> dot 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 um, question mark. No, no. Like when I first saw it, I thought it was really scary. Um, I think that it's really brutal, mm-hmm. and um, it's funny because I I remember mentioning this several times this movie and being like, I can't watch it. It may give me like a stomachache. And then last night, I just felt myself like annoyed. Like about the your attitude towards men has really changed in the past five years or so. Five or six years. What could have happened for me to be so annoying? I don't Um, know. No, but it's just the brutality of it, and them, and then um, them just playing, playing with them, basically, and and being like just so cruel for no reason at all, which is absolutely terrifying. And I had this conversation with. Victor last night and he's like what was the re- like this movie was kind of meh and I was like why and he was like well because they had like no no like motivation no and I was like but that's like because they were home and he's like yeah but that's boring I'm like yeah but yeah but Victor to likes feels, a tidy story he does but I feel like the point that makes it so scary is um the randomness and right. how there's no rhyme or reason mm-hmm. and how um, if you hear about a crime that happened, if, if you're like, um, you know, someone was shot or, or, or stabbed or punched and it was like a quarrel between a husband and wife or a boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever versus this person just happened to be there. They didn't even know who they were and they were, these people were just shot and killed. Yeah. Which means, um, you know, there's no, you could be anywhere. There's no way to be safe. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what, um, you know, like, I'm not saying it's a victim's fault for any of the other reasons, but at least it's like maybe you'd have some sort of inkling that, you know, like protect yourself or like, oh, this person's dangerous yeah. versus I just went to the movies and the person came in and killed us, killed right. people. Um, well, sorry, so. that's something that they talk about. Um, I was just uh, started rewatching Mindhunter with Grace recently. And um, one of the things that they say in one of the early episodes of that is that change in crime in America where that was like just totally stymieing law enforcement was because for so many years, it's like like you said, if somebody it gets murdered it was either you know they owed someone money or it was a jilted lover or it was you know whatever like you find the motive you find the person Mm -hmm. but now they were having these spree killers these serial killers that there was no motive and when there's no motive how do you find your your perpetrator aside from the gratification 
for the person. You yeah, know, but for a lot crimes, of them, right? like they they don't even like they don't even get any gratification because they're they're doing it because they're sociopaths and they have no empathy, and so they're not even necessarily getting an emotional reward for it. They're just doing it to do it, um, which is uh, something that. Um, you know, I, I, I'll talk a little bit about the unfortunate sequel to Strangers, mm-hmm. but um, at one line that Tamara says in the sequel, um, oh, one of the victims asks her again, like, why, why are you doing this? And Tamara says, why not? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if you have no empathy, if you have no soul or whatever, it's yeah. like, why not do this? Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's no, there's nothing wrong about what we're doing. So we just, we can, so we are. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's part of what makes this so scary is because it's like, it happens in your home or in their, in their house. It's mm-hmm. like summer home, but you know what I mean? It's like, there's a home invasion. It's, it's completely random and, um, there's not much you can do about it and you can try to protect yourself, but like, it's, you know, um, they weren't successful because because they were isolated. They're isolated, <laughs> yeah. And there were three against two who had no idea it was coming, right? They and they prepared. had a pl- a plan of obviously something kind of prepared already before they went into this. Um, so I think, and the fact that it's happened in real life so many times, um, the, and like you mentioned in Mindhunter, which is based on real real things that happened mm-hmm. um which really makes it just so scary to right. me and um you know it, it's not like i'm feeling like oh this could happen to me and i kind of feel like a strange sense of like oh i'll probably be fine <laughs> <laughs> but really i'm not you know like anyone could be um you know impacted in this way whether it's you or a friend or whatever and I think that's what was so smart about this movie, making it feel like you never know. And um, just it's it's really brutal, especially the end and the dispassion Mm -hmm. that you mentioned makes it even more brutal. Yeah, because it's like not somebody like a jilted boyfriend where I'm like, I'm so mad at you. I'm going to like stab you. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you know, here we go. I'm going to do it now. Like, (laughs) you stay still. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems... Yeah, very, very scary. But I also have some real life stuff it was based off of, but we can talk about in a little bit. But did you find this was scary? I did. Was it scary to you? Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) I feel like, you know, I was trying to be a little, you know, funny with the recap. And, you know, obviously we had differing opinions on James's character. Um, (laughs) But no, I think that this is a terrifying movie. I think that it it plays on our like false sense of security that we all kind of not all of us like 90 percent of us go through our lives just thinking generally like we're safe yeah you know things like this can't happen to yeah it does those things like yeah no they happen but they don't really happen they're not you know it's not the odds of it happening to me like that's you know and I think that that's why in a scenario like this you see you get so frustrated with the characters for not responding better because you you know it's a horror movie so you know that they're in danger that their their life is in peril 
peril. Or if it's a demonic horror movie, their soul is in peril. And so you're going into it with that attitude of like, dude, protect yourself. Like just just immediately start shooting everything that moves. You know, mm-hmm. like pepper spray first, ask questions later. But <laughs> these, in if this was, you know, like true events or really, really happening, it would take a while for the average person who spends their entire life just generally thinking that they're safe from something totally crazy like this ever happening for your mind to wrap around what's happening in order for you to respond in any effective way. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of why, like, you know, Kristen doesn't, I mean, she does do a couple of smart things. She does get the knife, you know, and, but like James, you know, him not believing her. I think that that is a reflection too of like this idea that, I mean, stuff like it doesn't happen. Like there's nobody in the house. Like that doesn't, who's going to come in the house? Why would somebody be here? Why would somebody come take your phone? Because the, the nature of what's happening is so foreign from their concept of, of reality. Yeah, I guess that's true. But you know, I thought um, just now of that, my complaint of her not putting her shoes on the whole time. Yeah. I just thought of us when she's like, baby, get your shoes on right now. Yeah. And get, you know, get ready to run. Yeah. And I'm like, cause she's freaking smart. <laughs> well, yeah, but there, there's like, um, that reminded me of, um, there was this, uh, an SVU story arc that was in a couple of episodes where the, um, the rape victim, she, when she comes back in a later episode, she's still like, you know, obviously highly, highly traumatized and not, you know, working through, um, her, her trauma. And, um, and Olivia, Detective Benson asked her like, are you still sleeping with your running shoes on? Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, that's the kind of thing where if you, that's a person that has had something like that happen to them and had their world reframed in a way where you are expecting this to happen at any moment now. And so in that scenario, yeah, you keep your shoes on at night because mm-hmm. you might need to flee. But you that's not how the rest of us operate. And so, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I think being put into this experience of these people and like, you know, me being female, like identifying more with Liv Tyler's character in the scenario, um, you know, that's that's what makes it so scary is because like if you can imagine being put in that setting and you see how helpless she is, how um, her options are just immediately erased by like all they had to do was cut the landline and take her cell phone and boom, like they they can do whatever they want. They don't have to rush. They don't you know, she is completely under their control. And they're clearly, like, evil. Yeah, they're just biding their time and enjoying the moment, I think. And, yeah, and there's uh, yeah. nothing that she can do. She can't She can't get away. She can't call for help. And she can try to protect herself. But then, you know, there's a ditch. Mm-hmm. You, you know, how could you be prepared for the ditch? And now you have to crawl everywhere. Yeah, until she doesn't. And then she's like, oh, I'm fine now. And she yeah, walks around. I healed. And you're like, well, that's weird. Well, she's still okay. fine. <laughs> yeah. But no, so I think I think it is legitimately really, really scary. I think it's one of those movies that you wouldn't think of it as like, oh, a quality film. But it really, I think, does a very, very good job of capturing that um, kind of like that scenario or that source of fear for people. Yeah, definitely. And so as this like isolation or secluded settings, like the thing that makes isolation so scary is the fact that there's nowhere there's no one to help you. Nowhere to run. Yeah. For help. There's no Nobody's um, going to hear you in space. No one can hear you scream. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and so that's like 
that's a very, very real fear. And I think that this movie did a really good job of capturing it. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think maybe when I first watched this, um, I watched it when it came out and then I watched it a few years later subsequently. But I think probably when my kids were really little. So it's been a long, long time. And since then, maybe I've been a listener of a lot of crime podcasts probably yeah, that could have had something to and, do with and, it too. you know maybe and then maybe that uh, idea of like um not believing victims yeah. and other things and I, and I get so annoyed mm-hmm. so maybe that's also I, I mean I've a changed person than I was when I was like 30 yeah you know and um maybe older and maybe sometimes wiser but definitely more crotchety <laughs> <laughs> With like less patience for people. Yeah, yeah. Not tolerating <laughs> less bullshit. <laughs> I kind of feel like I am that way. Like, you know, I, I still like the movie and I think it's um very good for what it is and, mm-hmm. and it's definitely an amazing example of this this genre of yeah. like secluded setting and, and being helpless and how are you able to take care of yourself? Probably not. Most of us would not be. <laughs> I don't think I would either. Because they do an okay job. I mean, you know, okay. they do a reasonable job like you would expect most normal people to do and they died. Yeah, exactly. Like like certain people in real life stories that I yeah. think you want to share with us. Well, they said in the beginning in their very uh, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre-esque way uh, that this was based on like real events. And it was loosely. And like the, um, the director, writer, he wrote about um, or he shared that when he was a kid at his like summer home or whatever, I can't remember what, he was by himself with siblings and somebody knocked on the door and they asked for somebody who wasn't, doesn't live there. Mm-hmm. And then they moved on. But then they found out later um, that the people that were knocking on the doors were like ransacking the mm-hmm. empty homes. Yeah. So that's something that's kind of was burned into his brain as, as a kid hearing right. that. Um, that had happened and having that happen to them when they, they were, he was like a kid. So I was like, that's kind of an interesting, like, he's like, that needs to be in the movie. That weird, like, is so-and-so home? And you're like, why? Mm-hmm. What's, what's your motivation? Like, what are you doing here? Um, but then also it was based on uh, the Manson family and what they did to the Folgers and um, Sharon Tate and mm-hmm. all those people. in the ringleader sort of was Tex Watson and... Um, I'm not really probably telling anyone anyone they don't know like yep. about this like in Patricia Cranwinkle and Susan Atkins and that was just they were home and they did that to other people in Los Angeles during that time too it was mm-hmm. like murder murder them but kind of really because um, they happened to be there and one of them was like the house belonged to somebody and Manson had an axe to grind and right. they moved away and then he's like well I don't know let's go see who lives here now Let's and just then, kill that person instead. Yeah, and it was just like being at the wrong place at the wrong time, mm-hmm. um, which happens a lot. And um, so, which is also part of this movie, at the wrong place. Like, what if they hadn't gone there? Obviously, we wouldn't have a, a film. But, <laughs> you know what, what I mean? What if she'd said yes to his proposal? She's no, the like, plan yeah, was always right? to go back and to the they, house. Right. And then, um, so, and then there's also the Kenny Cabin murders as well that happened in 81 that seemed... Very random and just awful. And they were tied to their chairs and, and snapped to death. And mm-hmm. It's still um, unsolved. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's what makes this movie so scary is because um, you see that in real life people were brutalized and it was completely random and um, 
you know, people are still out, were, are, or have died at large with having committed these atrocious, awful things and, you know, got away with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really think this is a great film for somebody who's like, I want to watch something that's, you know, I really want to be scared. And this is yeah. something that really scares me. I want, I want something that's going to make me afraid of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well there, it, there's people who, that's the thing they're afraid of. Right. Is being victimized by strangers or being isolated and, and um, vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, people that yeah. would never in a million years go to like a vacation house in the middle of nowhere where there's nobody around for miles. Yeah. Like, would never do that so because they, they have this it, in their brain. Maybe they watch a movie about it. Maybe they would. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, movie that I watched um, during COVID that was about the Keddy Camp murders um, was Cabin 28. And it was, um, I don't know if I'd recommend it because it was pretty crappy um, and obviously highly fictionalized because, mm-hmm. you know, they all of the um, victims were killed. So there was no accounts from them. And the perpetrator was never caught. So there was no. I mean, they could recreate crime scenes and everything, um, but they don't know what happened, like what actually happened. Yeah. And so they, um, you know, this kind of story that these people were toyed with in this way or or kind of tortured and terrified and harassed leading up to the eventual killing. Um, I think that there is some evidence that things like that happened, that it was a drawn out um, like series of incidents and Mm -hmm. not just like a we came in, tied you up and killed you. Yeah. yeah. Um, But, you know, obviously the details and everything are just kind of up for creative interpretation. And there was was um, there like any kind of I can't I remember reading about those murders and listening to a few podcasts about mm -hmm. it. I I don't remember or recall if there was like any obvious motivation. I don't remember. I Mm -mm. think it was it was random. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, like, I think because they never figured out who did it, like, if there had been a motive, maybe they would have learned that when they arrested somebody, they would have been like, oh, this is why that person did it. But because they never caught anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They I think that they assume that it was totally random. Um, but I just remember, aside from it being generally a pretty crappy movie, there was one scene where like the, it's the family together and they're um, asking the mom to choose like which of her children they're going to kill. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a Sophie's Choice scenario. But it yeah. was like yeah. um, in that scene, like I remember watching it and just feeling gut punched because it was like actually really, really well performed by the actress playing the mother mm-hmm. and then being a mother and imagining being in, in that situation. Like it was just so genuine, like her hysteria and her terror and her devastation. Like, you know, because in that moment as a mom, you're like, just kill me. Like, don't kill either of them. Just kill me. Mm-hmm. Even though like she knows that they're all gonna die by the end of this yeah um, yeah but that i remember thinking like well the movie sucked but that one scene was really really well done the one scene was the, the redeeming part of it, the yeah, film it, maybe it was yeah um there were not mm-hmm. a lot of redeeming parts to the stranger sequel it was called pray at night P-R-E-Y. <laughs> it looked like a piece of crap oh it was a piece of crap and i was like um, i I liked The Strangers, but yeah. I don't know if I would want to watch that. Yeah. Um, you don't. Okay. Uh, so it came out in 2018. <laughs> it had, um, I didn't watch Mad Men, but it had Christina Henriks, Henriksen. Yes, I love her. Um, that I, I recognized. And then um, the daughter was played by Bailey, what's her name, who was in, she did an SVU episode too, but she was also Katie Holmes's daughter in that Don't Be Afraid of the Dark movie. I don't remember. I don't um, remember. 
but anyway, so she's she's someone where I'm like, again, I don't know, are you are you a good actress? I can't really tell because in this movie she's a teenager, and the other ones she was a child. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, this this is a textbook example of what you call a cash grab. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they totally dispense with any of the the cat and mouse toying, you know, whatever behavior like it does open with the same like is Tamara here? You have the wrong house. Oh, OK. Um, but the family is at um, the setting that they've changed it to is a like a summer lakeside trailer park, like not trailers where people live, but trailers that you would come rent during the summer to visit the lake. Yeah, okay. um, but it's the off season, and so the entire thing is empty. And this family is staying there because their aunt and uncle own and operate the place, and they're coming to like visit them or whatever. But the aunt and uncle have already been killed before they get there. And then the same three people—it's Flowersack, Dollface, and Tamara—it's like the same three assailants are now like trying to kill this family of four. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like. You know, just immediately, like, very, very early on, Tamara's, like, busts into the place and stabs the mom to death. Like, there's, it's a complete departure from the behavior um, that the characters had in the first one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's, like, no tension building, no, you know, why are they, it just felt like a slasher movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which is fine. (laughs) <laughs> I like a good slasher movie. Yeah, who doesn't? But this um, is not what you came for. No. Well, and it had the like some real bizarre song use in it. Like there was one prolonged scene at the pool of the trailer park where the brother is like he owns something. They end up um killing all the assailants. The um they both kids survive. The parents die, the kids survive and all three assailants end up dying. But in this pool scene, they're playing totally clips of the heart. Okay. Like multiple times. They're like, we got the rights to this. We're going to like just use the hell out of it. Yeah. And like there it opens the song that's playing over the opening is that Kids in America song from like Clueless. Okay. It was just some really weird music choices that they were going for. Yeah. Um and I mean it was still like an isolation sort of scenario. I mean and they're running from cabin to cabin and like trying to hide and trying to get away. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, their cell phones all get smashed at the beginning and all the landlines are cut and everything. Um but yeah, it just wasn't it wasn't satisfying. And then it's funny that you mentioned that the beginning of the original was like Texas Chainsaw because this one I feel like it would be generous to call it an homage because it really was probably just a ripoff. But she <laughs> she survives at the end by jumping into the back of a pickup truck and like being driven away. Flower Sack is the last one that survives before mm-hmm. she you know hits him in the head with a bat to get him off the back of the tr- pickup truck. Um, but she's like screaming in the back of this truck as it's driving away down the highway, and I'm like, oh my god, did they know that they were ripping that off, or what's Probably. happening here? <laughs> I hope so. If you're making a horror movie, you at least need to know like t- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. At I least one of the top on. ten horror movies that are in our the fabric of of American of society. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, would so. not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Full stop. Full stop. <laughs> Um, well, yeah. but I was thinking about um, just like what motivates the killers in this movie and like no rhyme or reason and how in these real life murders as well. And, um, you know, I think that as people who listen to, um, well, I do, and I know you watch like shows and things too and listen to some things, but like 
um, hearing about crimes and what's why they're happening. I think that at a weird level, it helps a lot of people when they find out the motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, robbed or, uh, you know, who knows what. But jilted then, lover. Jilted lover. <laughs> but I, I feel like on some level, it comforts people mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, I'll be sure not to do that. Or yeah. like it's you you get a false sense of security because you feel like you can protect yourself mm-hmm. um, by knowing the why. And that may not necessarily be the case that you can't really protect yourself if you know why, um, you know, people were robbed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's like it helps people in a weird sense, you yeah. know, like knowing well, um, it's what kind of um, like what we were talking about or what we've talked about ad nauseum with um, the exposure of the monster mm-hmm. um, is that when you don't know what the monster is, what it looks like. Um, what it's uh, comprised of it's more frightening once you see it even if it's like grotesque and horrible and terrible once you see it and you know what it is and you know what it looks like you feel better you're less afraid Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like that where it's like you understand like this the horrible thing happens and you don't know why and so it's like well my god like why did somebody do this like what could they possibly have you know wanted to achieve or what would drive a person to do this terrible thing like that's terrifying Mm -hmm. but then once you have that answer you can be like oh okay well I mean that's not a good reason um but knowing knowing the why for committing a crime maybe gives you that like the same level of you know you can quantify it yeah and so the human brain is better able to just kind of put you know wrap it up put a bow on it set it aside and be like okay I can handle that I think you're right yeah so um because I keep thinking back to my argument not argument but like when my discussion (laughs) with Victor about how he found this movie to be boring and how he did he's like there's no motivation it's like whatever it's not scary and I'm like but that's what makes this scary yeah but he's just you know He's also not to say like every man is like this or whatever, but it's like as a a, a woman who's also been afraid of a lot of things, um, it seems like that might be also a factor why I would find it more scary than he would. I don't know. Really yeah, know. if you yeah. if you're somebody that for whatever reason feels more vulnerable um, in the world or in your life, then you're going to look at a scenario like this and find it scarier. Whereas if you're you know, someone like maybe he imagined if he was in that scenario, like, yeah, I could probably survive. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, who knows? Yeah. Well, good discussion. I will not be watching It Prays at Night or yeah, pray, Strangers It was Strangers Pray, pray at Night. Pray at Night. But, and I would say that for Parent Corner, um, don't, don't show nope. this to kids. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't think I and I Charlotte especially freaking out. Yeah, like we have like a mountain house that's like not com- not as isolated as this one. Yeah. Um but it's but still fairly, you know yeah, still kind of city, isolated. So. Um and I feel like, you know, this you show a kid this movie like you would never get them out in the wilderness again <laughs> like okay if you're not an outdoorsy family then you're not giving anything up but if you ever wanted to be able to take your kid to a cabin somewhere for like a vacation at a lake or something yeah you would you would not be able to do that after they saw this movie <laughs> unless you're okay with them sleeping in your bed exactly and, but, and not sleeping being yeah. in your bed and lying awake all night 
Did, I, you, did you hear that? I think somebody's talking. I heard a squeak. That's nature, honey. That's, that's just that's that's leaves falling on the roof. Uh, that's what happens when there are trees around your this house. could be the witches. <laughs> it's the witches. Or yeah. the strangers. Ah. Um, yeah, because like it's it's a little bloody. Um, obviously, the violence is really upsetting because of this the, the, the coldness of it. Yeah. Um, but just the whole thing, the the whole it's it's highlighting and preying on your sense of vulnerability and kind of like making you feel like the world is not a safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a message you want to send to a kid. No, not when my kids are like, Mom, could someone break into her house? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, never. Impossible. It, it, it would, we'll be fine. Well, what happens if it happens? Well, we'll leave. Yeah. <laughs> Call the police. Oh. We'll go like to the house okay. that's, you know, 20 feet to our left. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, well, and we'll if nobody's be- home there, we'll cross the street another 20 feet and try that house. <laughs> we'll probably be fine. Yeah. This line of questionings definitely happened in my house like yeah. several times. Mom, yeah. what happens if someone breaks in? Um, we'll leave. <laughs> and, uh, but then may- the maybe cops. that's the that is the kind of kid you want to have, because the kid that never thinks about that possibility is not going to be prepared if something like that happens. <laughs> They'll be barefoot and, and running into ditches. <laughs> barefoot with dead cell phones and unpredictable ditches everywhere. <laughs> running face first. Face into first. Tex Watson. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's not funny. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, yeah, so our next movie we're talking about, which I'm excited. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, it's called The Ritual. It came out in 2017. Um, um, yeah. So, and it's, it's been on Netflix for 212 years. Yeah, pretty much since 2017. Yeah, yeah <laughs> nonstop. So. Yeah, it's very, very good. So good. It was sort of like not really... Under the I radar. Got, yeah. So it's definitely isolated. It fits into this category. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, but anyway, thanks for listening. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye.